Praise the Lord. It's so good to see everyone in the house of God this evening. Amen. It's so good to be gathered together here with you in the presence of Jesus Christ. What an honor we have. What an opportunity we have tonight. Amen. Let's all stand. Let's call out on his name tonight. This is his service. We are his people. Amen. He has a plan for this service. That it would be accomplished in our midst tonight. Amen. Lord Jesus, you're an awesome God. I am so thankful for you. I am so thankful for your so great salvation. I am so thankful for this opportunity you've afforded us this evening to enter into the very throne room of God. Hallelujah, Jesus. I don't esteem that lightly. I will not take that for granted. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. I will enter in softly and humbly, yet boldly, in your presence proclaiming the promises of God, standing on the word of the Lord that you have given unto us. Thank you, Jesus, for all that you have in store for us here this evening. I pray, Lord, in Jesus' name, that all of your hearts, all of your mind would be manifest in our service tonight. Hallelujah, Jesus. That you would be present here. That you would minister to each and every need. That you would release faith into this assembly tonight. That we would believe you for all things. That our hope and our faith and our trust and our confidence would reside in you, and in you only. Hallelujah, Jesus. Do great and mighty things, the Most High God, in our midst tonight. We expect awesome things of an awesome God. Hallelujah, Jesus. And we give you glory, and we give you honor for all that we will receive of you tonight. Thank you, Jesus. These things we ask in Jesus' name. Praise God. Amen, amen. Praise God. God bless you. You can be seated for just a moment. Uh, just really quick, uh, your leadership team is going to be absent from service uh, this weekend. Uh, we're going to be planning out next year. Uh, and so I'm asking uh, the church that it would be in prayer uh, this week, this weekend, uh, that we would discern the will of God, discern his direction uh, in the coming year. Uh, again, this is his church. I mean, we can have all kinds of great plans and great ideas, but uh, we want we want the will of God. We want the direction yes. of the Lord. Amen. Amen. Uh, because that's that's what's going to work, folks. <laughs> that's that's the only thing that's going to work. Uh, we want to we want to discern His will. So please pray for us uh, that that's exactly what would happen. Amen. All right, let's all stand. That's right. That's right. Wednesday, folks. Need to get the juices flowing. <laughs> Amen. Sister Rudy, come. While she's coming, let's lift our hands one more time. Let's praise the Lord. Because He is awesome. He is great, and He is greatly to be praised. Hallelujah, Jesus. Yes, O God. Praise 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 God. Praise
they felt like maybe that's the way they needed to go again and God and Paul is telling them if you live under the law if you're going to do that if you feel like you need to do that you know if you feel like you need to go under the law God has Jesus set us free from that and he's trying to walk them through the reality of the law could not save them Jesus had to come the law was for a season but it was to bring in Jesus the Messiah and so in the middle of him talking about all of this he begins to talk about some other things he talks about walking in the spirit and he says for brethren ye have been called unto liberty only use not your liberty for the occasion to the flesh but by love serve one another for all the law is fulfilled in one word even in this thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself and if ye backbite and devour one another take heed that ye be not consumed one of another this I say then walk in the spirit and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh for the flesh lusteth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh and these are contrary the one to the other so that ye cannot do the things that ye would but if you will be led of the spirit you are not under the law now the works of the flesh are manifest which are these adultery fornication uncleanliness lovetousness idolatry witchcraft hatred barrens emulations wrath strife seditions heresies envies murders drunkenness reviling and such like of the which i tell you before as i have also told you in time past that ye which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of god but the fruit of the spirit is love joy peace long suffering gentleness goodness faith meekness against such there is no law they that are christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts if we live in the spirit let us also walk in the spirit let us not be desirous of being glory provoking one another ending one another so tonight i'd like to talk about walking in the spirit so i begin i've been meditating on this for a long time for a year or two i just pray that the fruit of the spirit might be manifested in my life now in order to be able to walk in the spirit the first thing we have to do is be baptized in Jesus name and filled with the spirit because you can't walk in the spirit if you don't have the spirit Amen. so that's what we need to that's what our goal needs to be if we haven't gotten there but once we get there um you know sometimes when you've been filled with the holy ghost and you and you've been baptized in Jesus name it's a wonderful wonderful experience but God doesn't want us to stop there the enemy would like to paralyze us and he would like to redirect us but God wants us to move forward in the spirit so in order to work for walk and move forward in the spirit we need to know what the word of God says and we need to know what it is it is to walk in the spirit now we know that he is the vine and we are the branches so our life comes from him because we have the spirit living within us 
And without his spirit living within us and flowing out of us, we're not going to have that life we need. Because fruit needs that love, that life-giving flow, that sap, in order to create that bud, in order to create a seed, in order to create, if it's, a, if it's a peach, it creates a seed, and then it creates the pit, and then it creates the flesh, and then there's the skin, and there's the leaf. So there's the stem that attaches it to that branch. So it is a process that begins to work within us. So as we're looking at this, the first thing was love, and then joy, and then peace and long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. And as I was thinking about this, I was thinking, well, God's intentional. When he, write, when he wrote his word, it was intentional. So the first fruit was to be love. Why? Because these are all stepping stones. And each fruit, love, will then bring joy which will then bring peace. But we have to know what that love is. What is that love? What did Jesus say about that love? And why love first? Because as we go through life, as we grow from youth to, to adulthood, we experience many things in life that mold and shape us. Amen. Both good and bad. And we want to protect ourselves. So we learn from a very young age to begin to build walls. They're walls of protection. We think we're protecting ourselves. Mm -hmm. But the truth of the matter of is that you can only change you. You cannot change anybody else. Yes. So when we're going through this tonight, you are to examine yourself, not anybody else. It's not going to be done perfectly because we are not perfect. Perfection will be obtained when we get to heaven. But we, can, we will be working and our goal is to work so that the fruit of the Spirit will be automatic in our life. So the only person I can change is me. The only actions I can control are my actions Amen. and my reactions. When we stand before God, we're not going to be able to point the finger at anybody else or to blame anyone else. We alone will stand before God and have to answer for our actions. I alone will have to give an account for my actions. That's why I need the fruit of the Spirit in my life. Before the Israelites could go and possess the land, the walls of Jericho had to come down. So before God can penetrate our lives, we have to break down the walls. Because not only do those walls prevent others from touching us, it prevents God's hand from touching us, from getting through. So it's so important that if the Lord speaks to you about something, that those walls would come down. Just like the walls of Jericho had to be the first they were the first things that the Israelites had to conquer yeah. when they went into that promised land. So love is the first fruit. It's the foundation of all the other fruits. 
What did Jesus say? Matthew 22, 37, and 39. Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. We need to examine what we're putting first in our life. I remember reading Nona Freeman. She wrote about how when they were on the mission field, she was a late riser. She loved to stay up at night, and you know, sometimes people, I'd rather go to bed early and get up early. My sister was the opposite. She would stay up late. I never had a bedtime. She always did. I could stay up past 7 o'clock in the evening when I was young. But she was a, a late riser, and one day the Lord began to really deal with her. And he said, no, no, if you would get up early and read my word and pray every day, you would find that there is such a difference in your life. And I never forgot that. Putting God first. He expects that, and he wants that. And why would we not do that? Because he is our Lord and Savior. Yes. Brother and Terry Shock, when their kids were little, they weren't always able to do this. But before they would speak to each other, they would speak to Jesus. I thought, what a wonderful thing to speak to Jesus first, because he is the King of glory. Yes. And really, our life here is to please Him. We're preparing for what is ahead in heaven. He is preparing us for what we will be doing in eternity. So putting Him first, loving Him first. But we have to understand what love is. So let's go to Matthew 5, 38 38-48. Ye have heard that it has been said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say unto you that ye resist not evil. But whosoever shall smite thee on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if any man will sue thee at the law and take away thy coat, let him have thy cloak also. And whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile, go with him twain. Give to him that asketh thee, and from him that would borrow of thee, turn not thou away. Ye have heard that it hath been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor, and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. And pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. That ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. For he maketh his son to rise on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the just and the unjust. For you, if you love them which love you, what reward have you? Do not even the publicans the same? And if you salute your brethren only, what do you more than others? Do not even the publicans so? 
Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father, which is in heaven, is perfect. That's why we need to pray for the Muslims. We need to pray for the Hamas, the ones that are coming against the Israelites. They are their enemies, but God can change the heart of a man. He is the one who can change a person. Nobody else but him. You have to understand when Jesus was talking about this to the Israelites, the, the Romans despised the Israelites, and they despised the Romans. They were the conquerors. They were coming, and they were subduing them in their own land. They were taxing them, and if a soldier asked them to carry their load, they had to go with them one mile. So Jesus is saying, if that happens to you, I want you to go too. That must have chastened them. That must have really got under their skin. Because as a human being, or if he says that they smite you on the cheek, turn the other cheek, those are fighting words. It's not easy to do what Jesus asked us to do, but he's showing us a more perfect way and a more perfect love. That's why the first stepping stone is love. Because we, it's not what we think or a feeling. It's what God has put down in his word. And that's what we have to remember. We always look through our lens. It's easy to look through our lens. But we have to look through the lens of God. And his word is a lens that he wants us to walk and look through. Now, you might forget that, and that's okay, because there's something called repentance. Asking for forgiveness, and asking God to help you. You know, we can't do this on our own. That's why he's given his spirit to us, because he wants to dwell in us and help us to grow in his grace and his knowledge. He didn't bring us into this to be stagnant. A river that's stagnant or water that's stagnant, you can't drink it. It doesn't grow anything. Nothing grows in it. Nothing's in it. He brought us this far so that he can help us to grow. And the only way we're going to grow is if we look through his lens. So the stepping stone of love. Luke 6, 27 says, But I say unto you which hear, love your enemies, do good to them which hate you. That isn't easy to do. But if Jesus said we can do it, then we can do it. And if you can't do it, ask for his help. He will give you what you need in the moment that you need it to accomplish his will and his purpose. Luke 6.32 says, For ye, if you love them which love you, what thank have ye? For sinners also love those that love them. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter. Now, I know that you've probably read this before, but I want to go over it again. Because in here, Paul writes about love. If you don't know what love is, this is where you need to go. God's word is so powerful. When I was in high school, I was in a class that I had to find a poem to read. And you know what? I'm sorry, I just didn't read poetry. (laughs) I wasn't one of those people. So I'm like, what can I do? But you know what? At that time, even though I didn't really know God, I was reading his word. So the Lord just dropped in my mind, read this. And that's what I did. And I had one of the most humanistic teachers. But my teacher, 
and those students all wanted to know where that came from because it was so beautiful. Because that's how powerful the Word of God is. Oh, yeah. So let's read it. Let it wash over your soul. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, and have not charity, which means love, I am become as a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy, and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith, so that I can remove mountains, and have not charity, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, and have not charity, it profiteth, it profiteth me nothing. Charity suffering long is kind, charity envieth not, charity vaunteth not itself, it is not puffed up, it does not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, rejoices not in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Charity never faileth. But whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part, and we see, we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. When I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish, childish things. For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know even as also I am known. And now abideth faith, hope, charity. These three, but the greatest of these is charity. If you lack in this area, if you don't have understanding, ask the Lord to help you and to guide you. He can give revelation and understanding that no one can give. But now I understand why love had to be the first stepping stone. It's a stepping stone to bring us to joy. True joy. Not happiness. Happiness is a feeling. Happiness can come and go. Happiness can depend on situations and circumstances. But true joy that only God can give can walk with you every single day. But it's a choice. It's a choice that we all have to make. And you know what? I know, I understand. If you're hurting, if you're in pain, you know, life does happen and it comes and it's a struggle. And sometimes we lose our bearings. But the nice thing about this, but the great thing about this, is we can get in the boat with Jesus. And we can get our bearings back. And we can get that joy that we must have lost, that might have slipped away. We can get our focus back on Jesus, because that's where our eyes need to be. We don't need to be paralyzed in a situation or a circumstance. God can bring us through whatever is coming our way if we will take him by the hand yes. and let him lead us and let him guide us. Yes. 
So joy. Joy in the Greek means cheerfulness that is calm delight. A calm delight every single day. Do you delight in the Lord? Psalms 51, 8 says, Make me to hear joy and gladness, that the bones which have, that thou hast broken may rejoice. I think sometimes when we're in pain, and I understand, living with pain is so grueling. But God, in a moment, can just take you to that place where you can be with Him. Where He can give you joy and gladness. Psalms 51.12 says, Restore to me the joy of thy salvation, and uphold me with thy free spirit. It is God alone that can give the joy that we need. And when he brings that joy, there's nothing like it. I'd like to go to 1 Peter 1, 7 through 8. That the trial of your faith being much more precious than that of gold that perish, though it be tried with fire, may be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen ye love, in whom though now you see him not, yet believing you rejoice with joy unspeakable, full of glory. What is that joy unspeakable? It's the Holy Spirit within you. It's His Spirit living within you. If you don't have joy, just get to that place where you can speak in that that heavenly language that He's given to you. It refreshes and restores your soul. He is the one that can restore your soul. And then once you have joy, joy will bring peace. How to walk in peace. This was a process that I had to learn. And once you learn to walk in peace, you will never turn back. Ever. Isaiah 26, 31 says, Thou will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusted in thee. And really, if you don't trust in God, you're not going to walk in peace. Because his peace, he will bring you peace only if you trust him. If you don't trust him, you're going to live in fear. And fear can be paralyzing, which the enemy likes to do. He likes to paralyze us in the fear. He likes us to believe whatever the lies are he's bringing to us in whatever situation and circumstance. So, if you walk in peace, it's because you're trusting the Lord. Psalms 85.10 says, Mercy and truth are met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed each other. John 14, 27 says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your hearts be troubled. Let it not be afraid. Of course, this is Jesus speaking. He was trying to teach his disciples what peace was. What it was to walk with him and not be afraid. You know, he said, by worrying, can you change anything? We can't change one situation or circumstance. So if you're worried, you're wasting your time and minutes and you're not trusting God. Because he's in control. 
That doesn't mean we're going to understand. That doesn't mean he's going to give you what's coming ahead, but he can give you peace for the day, for the next day, and the next day. And you know, the thing of it is, we don't even know, we do not even have a promise for tomorrow. When you're young, you think you have forever. But we know that young people die as well as old people. We don't know. But God knows. So he wants us to walk with him. When Jesus was, when Jesus was on, when they were in the, okay, when they were in the, on the Sea of Galilee, and Jesus was in the boat, and he was, there was a storm, and his disciples, now a lot of those disciples were fishermen. So they were used to that sea. So when this storm arose, why were they so fearful? I never quite got it. So I began to look up some things about the Sea of Galilee. And do you know that they really rarely have storms? And if they do have storms, maybe there might be four feet waves. Ten feet would be pretty dramatic. So when that storm arose, those disciples were fearful because they had not seen a storm on that sea like that before. They knew that most of the time the Sea of Galilee was peaceful. No wonder they were afraid. That's why they woke up Jesus and said, Don't you care that we perish? And what did he say? Peace be still. He was trying to teach them that he was there and they didn't need to be afraid. These are lessons that God is trying to teach us. It's not easy. I'm a slow learner. I'm a slow learner. Sometimes it takes years for me to understand what God is really trying to teach me. But when I get it, I get it. And learning to walk in peace was the most wonderful gift that God could have given me. Because you don't do this roller coaster in life. Because stuff does happen and you don't have to do that. You can, there could be just a flat line and you can walk in peace. Yeah, there might be a little glitches. And then you get back that peace and you go to the king and the prince of peace. But walking in peace, there is so much joy and love and just freedom that you don't have to be afraid. You know, there's a lot of stuff that is happening that will happen. But we don't have to be afraid. I am not afraid of what's coming ahead. I am not afraid. We do not have to be afraid. We know that God will protect Israel. That's the apple of his eye. We know what their destiny is. And though the enemy may try to destroy them, it's not going to happen. Do you know that China, when they started fighting, the Hamas started fighting, China took Israel off all their maps. They may wish that Israel is not there. They can take Israel off their map. But our king, the Lord of Lords, Amen. is going to save yes, and keep sir. Israel. Yes, sir. And if he will do that for them, we are adopted. We are his children. We are his sons and his daughters. We are his bride. Amen. What more will he do for us? Amen. Joy brings peace. So we need to walk in peace. John 16:33 says, These things I have spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. 
In the world, you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. We know we're going to have tribulation. We know what the first church went through. We're going to have a, this latter rain is going to be greater than that rain. And they went through tribulation. So we are going to have some tribulation. What that looks like, I don't know. But God said, be of good cheer. We know that many all over the world do have tribulation that we've never seen. China, Muslim countries, Egypt. Just recently I heard how Egypt has had all this uprising against Christians. Right. What country do you want to name? <laughs> they have had troubles. They know what tribulation is, but they love God and they believe Him. That His word is true and that there is something better than what we're living here. Matthew 11, 28-29 says, Come unto me, all ye that labor, and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and learn of me. I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. Jesus said, take his yoke, his burdens light. His way is easy. Lowly means, in that, in that scripture, lowly means to have, not, it means particularly, um, the attitude or the social position. He was a king of glory, but he was lowly in spirit. He humbled himself. Yeah. He was the word. In the beginning was the word. He came and humbled himself. Proverbs 3, 24 says, When thou liest down, thou shalt not be afraid. Yea, Thou shalt lie down, and thy sleep shall be sweet. Amen. If you can't sleep at night, worry. No peace. He'll give you peace. Yes. He'll give you peace so that you can sleep. Amen. A restful sleep so that your body can get the rest that it needs. Yes. Psalms 44, 8 says, I will both lay me down in peace and sleep, for the Lord only makes me dwell in safety. My trust alone is in Him. Paul said in Philippians 4, 8-9, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are lovely, Whatsoever things are of a good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. And those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do. And the God of peace shall be with you. Paul wrote a lot of the New Testament. And he's saying, First of all, whatever you're thinking about when you go to bed, Paul said, memorize the scripture. If, if, if it's not honest, if it's not true, if it's not just, if it's not pure, if, if it's not lovely, if there's no good report in it, if it, there's no virtue, if there's no praise, then don't think on those things. And then he said, if you do these things, 
if you follow me like he was following Christ, then the God of peace is going to be with you. Amen. So when your peace is gone, think about this scripture. Ask God, what is, what is the diversion? Why don't I have peace? And then pray over that. And then ask the Lord to give you peace because he will. Psalms 114, 165 says, Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. Oh, I love that verse because it's so easy to be offended. It's so easy to be offended. Sometimes we're offended because we don't realize what the person was saying was not really how we took it or what they were saying. So, I want to be in peace. I want to put these scriptures into my heart. I want them to wash over me so that I can walk in peace. Because if I can walk in peace, then I'm going to have long suffering. Nobody likes to suffer. I don't like suffering. I, I, don't, I don't see anybody that signs up and says, Hey, Lord, suffering. Well, I did, actually, I did. Um, Daniel Blast, he talks about he learned how to pray, and this person that he was kind of partnered with would say, Oh, God, send the trials and send this. And he said, I would pray up until he said that, but you know what? I didn't really want those trials. I didn't want to really learn that much patience. I didn't really want to learn that much long-suffering. God knows what we have need of. We're all individuals. We have different things that we have need of. He's working his work in us. It's God which worketh in me, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. So what my life looks like might be different from yours. I don't like long-suffering, but long-suffering means forbearance, self-restraint, being, being giving, having restraint before proceeding to actions. Wow. The quality of a person who is able to avenge himself, yet he refrains from doing so. Wow. wow. But thou, O Lord, art a God full of compassion and gracious and long-suffering and plenteous in mercy and truth. That's Psalms 86.15. First Peter 3.20 says, which sometimes which sometimes were disobedient when once the long-suffering of God waited in the days of Noah while the ark was preparing were in few, that is, eight souls were saved by water. When you think of long-suffering, I think of our Lord and how long-suffering He is. Think of how Noah preached for over a hundred years. Why? Why did it take him so long to build the ark? Well, probably because that's how long it took when he had the tools that he had. But, God knew that. He was trying to, to he, Noah wasn't just building the ark, but he was preaching to the people. God was waiting, he was giving every opportunity so that more than eight souls would be saved. Think of the long suffering that God had with the children of Israel. Yes. How patient and loving and kind he must yes, be. Yes. Think about over and over and over how they tried him. They saw miracles. They saw God feed them every single day. And yet they were griping and complaining. 
Because it wasn't what they wanted. It was what they needed. It was what kept them healthy, sustained them. It was a perfect food for them in the desert, but it's not what they wanted. He kept their clothes. Their shoes didn't wear out. They didn't get blisters on their feet. Their clothes didn't wear out. He would provide water when they needed it, shade by day, a fire by night. How long-suffering is our God? Think about your own life. How long-suffering has he been for you? Except for God. But for God. But for his grace. And you know, it is. Grace is a gift from God. And, and, and that is the gift. Salvation is a gift. But once you receive that gift, he, he expects you to grow. A baby just isn't born and then they're an adult. They go through a process. But they have to be willing to learn how to crawl. They have to be willing to get on the floor and move themselves. They have to be willing to learn how to feed themselves. We have to learn how to feed ourselves. We have to learn how to take the Word of God and digest it and read it and memorize it and meditate upon it. Whatever we hear over the pulpit or whatever we read in His Word, we have to learn to read the Word ourselves. We have to learn to communicate with God ourselves. Because there might come a time in which we don't have this opportunity and we might be alone or maybe with just a few others. And in order to encourage others, we have to be able to encourage ourselves. So that's why the fruits of the Spirit are so important. They build. It's the foundation. Love's the foundation. And all the rest are stepping stones to get us so that we can walk in God's Spirit. 2 Peter 3.9 The Lord is not slack concerning His promises, as some men count slackness but is long-suffering toward usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That's why he's long-suffering. He wants all of us to come to repentance. 2 Peter 3, 14-15 says, Wherefore, beloved, seeing that you look for such things, be diligent that ye may be found of him in peace, without spot and blameless, and account the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, even as our beloved brother Paul, also according to the wisdom given unto him, hath written unto you. What did Paul write unto them? Peter is quoting here. He's saying, Paul wrote to you. Well, let's go to 2 Corinthians 11.23 and see what Paul wrote to him. them. Second Corinthians 11, starting with verse 23. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. This is Paul writing to the Corinthians. Yeah. I am more in labors, more abundant, in stripes, more measure, more measure in prison, more frequent. In death off. Of the Jews five times received I forty stripes and saved one. Thrice was I beaten with rods. Once was I stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day I have been in the deep. In journeying often. In perils of waters. In perils of robbers. In perils by my own countrymen. 
in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and painfulness, in watching often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness, besides those things that are without, that which cometh upon me daily, the cares of all the churches. I read this because if I'm going to be a boo-hoo and a feel sorry for myself, read this. Have you even come close to all the things that Paul suffered? So Paul, so Peter was quoting him. Paul wrote about this. And I can't ima- imagine what it was to go through these things, let alone have the weight of all those churches on you. It's, it is a weighty thing when you have other souls that you are responsible for and have to answer to God for. That is not a thing that people take lightly. So all these things Paul went through. Long suffering. When you feel like griping and complaining to God because something's not quite going your way. When you have a bad day. Maybe you should think about Paul. I think he had a few bad days. First Timothy one, fifteen through sixteen says, This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus come into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. Howbeit for this cause I obtain mercy, that in me first Jesus Christ might show forth all on suffering for a pattern to them which should hereafter believe on him to life everlasting. Paul was our example of long suffering because that's what we're looking for, life everlasting. Gentleness. In the Greek it says moral excellency. In character or in demeanor, goodness, kindness, being kind, tender, mild-mannered. Wow. Virtue. It means goodness. Ephesians 5, 9 says, For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth. Righteousness there is equity of character or act. It's God's character. And that's what we're trying to emulate is God's character. Will we ever do it perfectly? No. But we will strive and we will accomplish and we will move forward and we will grow in his grace and his knowledge and we will learn to walk in the spirit. Psalms 23, 6 says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I dwell, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You know, God will be merciful to us according to the mercy that we show to others. I want to be merciful. I don't want to forget the mercy that God has shown me. Psalms 33.5 says, He loveth righteousness and judgment, and the earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. If you're down... If you're depressed, if things aren't going your way, why don't you just kind of look around you and see the goodness of God? 
and start thanking him. The little things. I thank you, Lord, that I have breath in my lungs. You know, people that have lung cancer and talk about the end of life, they can hardly breathe. I'm glad that I can breathe and I have breath in my lungs. I am glad that I have eyes that can see. I am glad that I have food to eat and shelter. And I have running water. And a warm place or a cool place. It's easy to get discouraged, but it's easy to get out of that discouragement when you start counting your blessings. And could we ever count all our blessings? I don't think so. Faith. Faith. In the Greek it means persuasion, conviction of the truthfulness of God, assurance. Are you convicted? Are you convinced that what God's Word says is truthful and that He means it and it's for today and it's for you? Do you have God's assurance? If you need a chapter of faith, we know that Hebrews 11 talks about faith. It talks about Abel. He, He knew he had a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. Talks about Enoch was translated because he had this testimony that he pleased God. How about Noah? How about Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph? How about the children of Israel? How about Moses? If you want faith, be around people that are faithful, that have faith. Listen to the testimonies of others. What God did for them, he can do for you. Whether they're alive today, whether it's in the word of God, or whether it's a testimony of somebody that has passed on. If he did it for them, he can and will do it for me. Meekness. It means gentleness. It means humility. Ephesians 4, 2 says, with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love. There comes love. Love is in so many of these scriptures. If you have love, you're going to have long suffering. You're going to forbear others. You're going to do it. It's not going to be easy, but you will do it. Colossians three twelve says, Put on therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy, Kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering. 1 Timothy 6, 16, or 6, 11 says, But thou, O man of God, flee these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. Paul is talking about godliness with contentment which is great gain. We brought nothing into this world. We're not going to take anything out. So we need to examine what is important to us. Is it important to God? Are we doing the things that are important to God? Are we doing His will and His purpose? Or are we living our own lives? Numbers 12.3 says, talking about meekness, now the man Moses was very meek above all the men which were upon the face of the earth. He was gentle, he was humble, 
and he was lowly. If we, you need to be schooled in meekness, you just read about Moses in the Old Testament. You know, the Lord was so upset with the children of Israel, he was ready to destroy them and raise up a nation through Moses. But Moses said, don't do that, God, because everything that you've done thus far, the report will come back and say, their God, God wasn't able to deliver them, to take them and do what he said he was going to do. He was not willing. If God was going to destroy them, then he wanted to be destroyed too. Do we have that kind of spirit living within us? Temperance, self-control. Do we have faith? First Peter one says one six says, and to knowledge, temperance, and to temperance, patience, and to patience, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, charity. All of these work together over and over in the scriptures. They are chained. They are looped together. In order to walk in the Spirit, we need to start putting these things in place in our life if we haven't. It is so wonderful that our God did not leave us alone without His Word, without His Spirit living in us, because without His Spirit we can't do this. But we can grow in His grace and His knowledge every day, just like infants grow from the day they're born until we die. We grow. Sometimes not the way we want to, but that's okay. This is just a reminder. All this on my face is a reminder that this is not my home. And I thank God that I have a home. Can we stand up and just pray? Can you can, can you just lift your hands and just worship Him? I have a heart of gratitude and thank Him for all that you've done, Lord. We thank you for your mercy and we thank you for your grace. We thank you, Lord, that the things that you would ask of us, that you have not left us alone, that you will never leave us nor forsake us, that you will be with us every step of the way. Lord, we thank you that if we will allow you to lead us, that you will lead us and guide us into all truth, that no matter the situations or the circumstances, oh God, you will help us to grow in your grace and your knowledge. We thank you, God, for every breath that we have. We want to praise you and worship you for that breath, oh God. We thank you for watching over us, protecting us. We thank you, Lord, that we live in a country, oh God, where we have the freedom to worship you in spirit and truth. We thank you that we have your word, and I pray that it would wash over us. As we leave tonight, oh God, that you would walk with us. We know that you will never leave us nor forsake us, that you will be with us always. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Thank you. Jesus.